Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and today we are talking to a man who knows how to keep time. So much so that he thinks that time may be the key to your golf swing. What do we mean? Well, let's find out as we're joined by author and golf instructor John Novosel here on The Range. John, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Let's start at the very, very beginning when did golf enter into your world? Wow, uh, good question. I, you know, I started playing when I was probably five or six year, years old. My dad introduced me to the game, and you know, quickly fell in love, like a lot of junior golfers do. Um, I think one thing as I grew, one curve I was ahead of was the distance curve. I was always infatuated with how far I could hit it, and that was uh, a huge thing for me growing up. And, uh, that kind of led me to where, where I've come now, but yeah, I've always, I've played my whole life and, uh, really enjoyed the game. Your father was always interested in the golf swing. And I imagine that he started imparting the idea of tempo on you early on. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going to tell you a story. No one's ever heard this story. It's real interesting, but my dad was a tinkerer and obviously he's an inventor and author as well, but his first training aid was a... Uh, it was a tempo device, and this is probably 30, 40 years ago. He attached a hose to a grip and a, and a, a club head. So you had this real floppy shaft thing, and that was our first intro foray into training aids. Um, and then it obviously just kind of grew from there. But, uh, yeah, tempo was a big piece of it, um, although the, the huge tour tempo discovery didn't come till way later. Let's talk about that because the idea of tour tempo, it came – really by accident just kind of by looking at at golf swings and suddenly wait a minute here's something to notice that is great you know that was just pure accident we were working on an infomercial for one of our training aids the speed ball which helps the golfers hit farther and he noticed that jan stevenson took it back in a certain number of frames which when you're editing video at the time it was 30 frames per second and she took it back for her backswing in 27 frames and then just happened to notice the downswing was nine frames but at the time you know we all thought tempo was unique to the person you're supposed to swing slow swing smooth all those things so he didn't think anything of that 27 9 if you will but then i was a huge tiger fan at the time and he had won the 97 masters by like 70 shots and Lo and behold, Tiger's tempo was 27.9. And all of a sudden that caught my dad and he started researching and he found that 27 and 9 weren't the magical numbers. The magical number was 3 to 1. There was this 3 to 1 ratio of backswing to downswing. And he started to see that golfers were actually 24.8, 21.7. And if you do a little math there, that's about one second from takeaway to impact. And that's really fast, especially when compared to the average golfer. So all of a sudden, tour tempo, uh, the, the nucleus of it was born as three to one ratio of backswing to downswing as a faster swing in general. 
And then the other big thing he noticed was the consistency of the tour pros on all full swings. They were very consistent. Of course, the average golfer failed pretty much on all three of these counts. And that's why we see incredible results when golfers try to or tempo. We should start there because your dad did work on a book talking about tour tempo with John Garrity, really trying to explain this phenomenon that the tempo could be the key to your golf swing. It's amazing because tempo can clear up a lot of mechanical issues. It doesn't always, but it really can. The other cool thing about tempo is it's super low-hanging fruit for your average golfer. It's really hard to change your, you know, your hip turn or your hip explosion or, or all these other variables in the golf swing that golfers work on. But I've literally seen golfers change their tempo in five minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, just by listening to our tour tempo tones and sort of adapting to the new tempo. And then the results quickly follow. I kind of jumped ahead a little bit in the story. So I'm going to go back a little bit in that you became a golf instructor while working on training aids with your dad, really at a young age. Yeah. We, you know, I've been teaching for 20, 25 years now, especially my niche has become speed because we found that tempo, better tempo almost a hundred percent of the time got golfers more speed because think about it. If you're swinging very slow back and through and you have, you know, there's not much club head speed. If you speed up the tempo, it actually gets you more club head speed. So the niche became, Hey, we're going to get you hitting farther. We're doing it through tempo. We're also doing some other uh, means as well. Um, but, you know, you mentioned being a golf instructor, you got to have a passion for the game. And um, it, I do love helping people and I do love helping people hit the ball farther because I, there's a, I, it's a passion for me and I, it's very, it, hitting the long ball is fun. You'd been instructing when this kind of tempo epiphany happened. How did that affect your perspective on the golf swing? Well, it made, like I said earlier, all of a sudden I realized tempo is a fundamental. We kind of treat tempo as this, uh, thing that you might try once you work on all these other things. But what we found is that tempo actually should be a fundamental of the golf swing and something you should work on uh, from the outset. It's also not dependent upon you or your personality or any of these types of things. You don't get to choose, um, so to speak, like, you know, if you're walk slow and talk slow, you're going to swing slow. That's not really how it works. You need to, to, to find, you know, use the tempo that the tour pros are using and then put that into your swing and you're going to find some great results. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like where you have something that you're good at, you've worked at it, you're, you're sharing it. And then you come across this bit of information that essentially turns everything you thought on its head. And now we're well over 20 years later that that's been the driving force of your career. Like take us inside that because you see what I'm saying is you, you had th your thoughts on the golf swing and how to hit it further and everything else. And then this, this light turns on and that light's been shining bright for a long time now, really proving that it works. Yeah. That's a great question. And a great point. When my dad and John Garrity first, uh, you know, launched tour tempo, the book in 2004, we were so excited to get it out there, but we were also wondering if there was going to be a backlash, if people were going to, you know, question it and things. And so many people did question it, but when they did, they found out, yes, 
that three to one ratio is holding up. It's across the board. It's everywhere. These tour pros are swinging fast. If you think of Rory McIlroy or Dustin Johnson, and now the, the unbelievable example is Bryson DeChambeau. He's swinging even faster. And I don't just mean club head speed. I mean, his tempo. So it's been, it's been a thrilling ride as far as using it. And then it's been adopted across the golf world. And again, I think because of its simplicity, because of its ease, and I think in golf right now, there's so many things that we grew up with that were, you know, like keep the left heel down, restrict the hips, things like that, that they're going, Oh, those things don't make sense anymore. That doesn't make biomechanical sense. Um, and that's sort of what's happened with tempo and, and where, where it is now. I think, uh, as people are hearing this and they're kind of grasping what we're talking about, we say three to one and you're, you're working with tour professionals you've worked with tour professionals over the years and they may think okay if they're not three to one then they're at two to one or they're at four to one or no it's not like that because it, these guys are so precise that they're measuring things that they might be at 2.8 to one or 3.2 to one and that's what they're really trying to fix is that precise yeah it is very precise although i will say that if you're we we do see like 2.8 to 1 or 3.1 to 1 and those are not the problems the problem is 4 to 1 mm -hmm. 5 to 1 um occasionally you get a 2 to 1 for the full swing but that's i don't get as worried as much about that the, the ones i get worried about are the golfer that's not hitting it far with that 4 to 1 ratio and that golfer once they change their tempo good things happen um so Yes, you want to be precise, but if you're getting good results at 2.8, we don't get too worried about it because these time frames are so uh, quick. Well, we talk about the Tour Tempo book, but there's more than just the book in play because you actually, you mentioned it earlier, there are tones that people can use and actually listen to as they are practicing their game, practicing their swing to really start to dial in a tempo that they can use. That's exactly right. So part of the part of the you know beauty of tour tempo the book was that okay we made this discovery we've got these ideas on tempo but then how are you going to try this, and so we came up with these audio cues these audio tones this music you could listen to. There's three tones and I'm going to play it here for you. So you got a tone. There's a tone to start your swing, tone for the top of the backswing, and tone for impact. And I was just playing right there what's called 21-7, which is really what most tour pros on the PGA Tour are right now, guys like Rory and DJ and these types. And for the average golfer, it's way fast for them, way too fast. But some incredible things happen, Ralph, when you start swinging to the tones. The number one comment I get is that golfers say to me, I can't swing that fast. And that's when a big smile gets on my face. And I say, well, we're going to try. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other comment I get, and this is a legitimate one, is it's hard to start on that first tone. And, a lot, and this, this exposes a weakness golfers have. And they stand over the ball forever tense without a lot of movement, without a trigger. And so when you can learn to swing on that first tone, and I, I like to you know, tell the golfer, you got to kind of move your body. I mean, watch all tour pros. They're kind of waggling and this and that typically there's some sort of trigger and by having a trigger it sort of tells your body okay i'm gonna swing conscious thought is shut down here we go rory McIlroy, i love mentioning him he's obviously you know four majors and super powerful for his size he uses a leg press if you will or a leg pressure um dj has a little wrist 
move. Jordan Spieth has a thumb, uh, does a little thumb press, so does Sergio. So typically you're, you're going to see these tour pros with some sort of a trigger. When you can learn to trigger and start on that first tone and then match the next two tones, it's pretty amazing what can happen. And a huge thing, and I, I think you'll agree with me, that all golfers need is less conscious thinking, mm-hmm. you know, less 20-point checklist. And when you listen to these tones and hear this bump, 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 there's no time for conscious thought, and that's always a good thing for golf. It's funny. I always likened standing over a golf ball to the old cardboard rubber band airplanes, that the longer you stand, the tighter you're you're winding that thing. And what's going to happen is it's going to expl- explode out with no control and you're not going to get anything out of it. it. All you're doing is tightening that rubber band on you, which never works out real well. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> my I, my good friend Dan Rooney says it's like a Petri dish. And the longer you stand there, the more bacteria grows. And so, you know, it's it's you make a great analogy as well. So the other thing that you kind of see with these tones are, is they're playing bump, bump, bump. I try to cue the golfer, like, you know, let's waggle to them. Let's let a couple go and then let's swing. Mm-hmm. And typically what you always see is better shots by not thinking as much, by not standing over the ball as long. So all, all this leads to better play. And it actually leads to something that I love, faster play, you know, playing fast. I've actually been on courses where somebody will stand on a ball, I kid you not, for a minute. Yeah. Trying to settle themselves and it never works out for them. Those times that they step up and they just hit it, it works out really well. It's not just the three to one original tour tempo though, that is the story here because it's expanded over time. There's now a second and now a third book that you've written. Yeah, exactly. Tour tempo two came out, uh, in around 2010, 2011. And that was about the short game and that ratio is two to one. So it's a little bit different. And then I've just released this year Tour Tempo, or uh, yeah, this year lately, uh, Tour Tempo 3. I call it The Force. And it's based on the studies of a guy named, a physicist named Robert Grover that's done a lot of, um, I mean, this guy's high level. And he explains how these ratios work when you liken the swing to a biomechanical spring. And it's been really fascinating to apply this uh, idea of loading the spring loading it quicker and then seeing these golfers hit the ball farther. And that's one of the main premises of my book tour tempo three is there's four segments you can load mainly the hips, the thoracic spine, the arms and the wrist. And if you can load, get more load in less time on the backswing, you will absolutely hit the ball farther. Not next week, not next month, but now. And I've seen that just work amazingly well for golfers. Well, and that's something you mentioned. I mean, working with golfers, you're committed to helping them improve their tempo, but it then goes at the next level because you show, okay, unlocking keys to speed, not by swinging harder, but swinging smarter, swinging better. Yes. Think about it. If you're, if you're going to load a spring, you don't try to unload the spring harder. You load the spring better. You create more load on that spring. So that's a great point. And what I found was most golfers, if they swing with better or faster tempo, they, they will hit farther. But if you're still not loading the hips or not loading the shoulder, or, you know, the shoulder turn, which is thoracic spine, if you're not loading these things, you're leaving distance and speed on the table. The, but the other key point to that is we got to load them fairly quickly. And that takes advantage of something called the stretch shortened cycle. And that stretch shortened cycle is something the human body uses to create extra the the biggest thing you can think of is a vertical jump going up to jump. 
you stretch, you shorten quickly, and then you explode up. And part of the stretch shorten cycle is how fast do you load the system up? And that's what I'm trying to do with Tour Tempo 3, The Force load the proper segments better and then you don't have to swing harder it basically almost does it for you it's going to be an obvious response as people are listening well i am not as flexible i'm not able to do the things that a younger guy can do so this isn't necessarily going to apply to me when the reality is that's exactly who it's designed to apply for is the person who doesn't think they're flexible there are ways to increase flexibility and then performance will follow Again, another great comment slash question. That is absolutely the truth. The guys that think that they can't swing faster and they're not flexible, those are the absolute ones that are going to get the most out of this. And that's why I introduced something I called my recode series on tourtempospeed.com. And what I'm trying to give you is they're not really stretches, but they're ways to do an exercise that give you the proper mobility you need in the golf swing. And then that is going to allow you to move to those specific locations we need to get you to. And it'll allow you to do it faster. Think about this. If you're stiff and can't move a joint, you're not going to move that joint quickly, right? So you need to have that, that range of motion. But it's not some, you know, 45 minutes a day routine. It's some, some easy stuff you can do to get some range of motion. Now we can load that and then the spring will unload for you. And it goes to say that if you arrive late to the course for a round and you've got five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, you're oftentimes better off stretching your body and warming it up than trying to squeeze in, okay, let me just hit as many balls as I can on the range to loosen up. Stretching is just as important as actually trying to flow your swing. 100%, yeah. I mean, I try to make it a point not to arrive five minutes early, but you're, you're exactly right. I mean, going to hit the, the swings you take, and, and you know, I'm 52, but I still love to take my time to get my body moving to warm up. And I believe everyone else should also, I mean, look at the tour players. Those guys are there hour, two hours before their tea time fitness van, doing all these different things because they need that uh, motion that they need to be able to create that motion. Um, and they need to do, do it quickly, which is what tour tempo is all about. So you're hundred percent right there for sure. You've worked in instruction for quite some time, but you also got involved with the marketing side. I mean, people see all over working with Bushnell. How did that come about? My One of my best friends in college, he played, is a great, fantastic golfer, a guy named Jason Seaman. Everyone loves Jason. Uh, I think you do too. You know him well. Mm -hmm. And he and I were friends and he got me into helping out with Bushnell and marketing and things way back when. And I've just kind of stuck with it. I've been able to do both. So it's been a great, it's been, you know, golf's my passion and the Bushnell has been part of that. Um, I enjoy both of them and I'm, I'm blessed that I can do both. So I really enjoy both of those and, uh, Bush, I mean, there's not a better company to be aligned with as far as the products and the people and what they bring to the table with 99% of the PGA tour using Bushnell. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a marriage made in heaven. One of the things that obviously we talk about a lot here is development over the years and technology and equipment. And we talk to a lot of people who've created clubs and they tell the stories about how, they went from this technology to the next and how different clubs evolved. Think back to the first time you used a laser range finder <laughs> and what it gave you, what it showed you. Could you have imagined it would evolve to where we are today? And what was that experience like back then? I mean, when are we talking that you might've first used a laser? It would have been, you know, I think the first lasers came out in uh, the late 90s, I want to say. 
but um, it would have been actually a little before that, but it would have been very similar to picking up an old, you know, persimmon wood compared to the new Sim 2 or the new Epic Speed. That would be the exact analogy I would give you. Um, they were slow. They, they didn't have much range. You know, they didn't do much. But at the time, they were amazing because you were getting a, you know, what's the ultimate question in golf? It's, it's how far you know, how far do I have? And, and, uh, so it's distance and accuracy and it's, it's crazy, the difference in crazy where they've come to where they are now. Um, but yeah, that's a great comment. I would, I should go back and try to find one of my old ones for sure. I have one that I want to say, golly, it's probably 15, 16 years old is my oldest one that I have here in the shop. And is it yellow? When, <laughs> it is not yellow. It is gray. Okay. But uh, I think that was the Tour XL. Um, I was think it, it is. Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's crazy. But yeah, you go and you use that, and you compare the. I mean, things from, from, from as you say, the processing speed, the magnification, the quality, of the optics, and fortunately, at least with Bushnell, it was starting with a place where this is what they've done forever. I mean, optics, and what's available now, it's just. It's it's just amazing. It's it's the only way I can put it. It is, and and you know what's crazy is that Bushnell had all the original. You know, Bushnell was the first company. To, Bushnell invented the laser rangefinder, mm -hmm. so we've had all the patents on them, and continue to you know create and and you know innovate, and that's kind of what their whole mo has been. But we knew when we we knew there was two big groups that were going to love that laser rangefinder: hunters and golfers. <laughs> In the beginning, it was all the hunters were probably using it more but now i mean the golf world is just taking it over you know taken over by storm because that's the key to the game and again it goes with everything that i love too about the game because i you know I, I can laser you know the new lasers will laser four five six hundred yards and i started to say okay how far can i hit this ball and that brought me full circle to you know everything i've done with my golf well and it should be said people should know that you're not exactly a short hitter <laughs> this all applies to your golf swing Exactly. Yeah. I always, you know, I'm not a big guy. I, I, you know, I competed in long drive. My longest driving competition was 402 yards. My club head speed now is about 130 miles per hour. So, um, you know, it's something that I practice and preach. And it, it also, I like to test things because I think you'll, you know, you'll appreciate this being in the golf business. Golfers will pay anything. If it works, they don't want to give you a nickel if it doesn't. And I have to test things and I've got to say, does this work? You know, is this either the device or the technique or whatever I'm coming up with? Does this get me more speed? Does it, is it safe on my body? Am I still going to hit it accurately or as accurately as I can? Um, and so I'm, I really think that's an important thing for an instructor to be able to test and, and, you know, make sure and, and understand any device or technique himself um, or herself before they, you know, try it out on their students. We always wrap up our time here on the range by jumping into what we call the way back machine. So we're asking you to go back into your lifetime golf bag. It's a big one. I'm sure, uh, kind of like most people's garages maybe, but do you have a favorite club from over the years may not even be in your current bag, but as you think about it, it's like this club always delivered whenever I needed it. I, I don't know if it, I would say it, it always delivered, but the club that I always loved was the old R seven. Uh, it was a like the R seven four twenty five, I believe it was. Um, 
that was the tailor-made driver and and that i remember that was it that was when they really kind of took it to a space age level mm -hmm. i mean i love my callaway stuff now it's amazing but i remember if you go back to the wayback machine that r7 was so ahead of its time no that r7 425 yes. is the second generation of the four weights yep that's exactly it and they did the cool thing with the with the head covers and the and the at the time, the shafts and all those things. And I could hit, I, I, I hit that ball. Uh, I hit a ball with that driver 394 in competition. And uh, back then, you know, where that was what, 15 years ago or whatever, that was a long way. Now 394 is not that big of a deal. <laughs> but uh, um, that was such a cool club that I always loved for sure. We should tell people that if they want information on Tour Tempo, Again, there's there there's the written word. You have audio books. You have video files. There's so much for them to really learn, to open their eyes to to what could be a really simple fix to some of their golfing problems. Exactly, I love it. Simple fix to the golfing problems. Yeah, you go to tourtempo.com, and then recently I've launched tourtempospeed.com, and you can find all about you know the new books, the current books, as well as this new Recode series plus. We've got the training aids as well for speed, so that'd be a great place to start. And you can always contact us, uh, email us through the site if you have questions. All right, John, thanks very much for joining us here on The Range. We talked about a number of Bushnell products uh, for 2021, and people can enjoy those chats over on the Golf Spotlight. But thank you for your work and making golf more fun for everyone who wants to take advantage of uh, your insights. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was John Novacell, and he has taken work first pioneered by his father, and used it to help players improve their games, no matter the age or skill level. He's committed himself to the game and making it more fun for everyone. It's really uh, interesting what tempo can do for your golf swing. Quite a story. Before we go, Golf Data Tech released numbers wrapping up the 2020 year, and the stats are astounding and encouraging moving forward. Rounds played soared in 2020, increasing almost 14% from 2019. And keep in mind, that was with the game being essentially shut down from mid-March through April. It's the biggest year-to-year -year increase since Golf Data Tech began surveying the game. The previous high had been around 5.7%, so this is huge. Rounds played in December jumped 37% from 2019. With more love for golf, I think more people are willing to play in that cooler weather. How about this number? Rounds played in December jumped 37% from 2019. Additionally, equipment sales increasing over 10% across 2020 as compared with 2019. Hopefully this trend will continue through 2021 as more and more people come to golf as a great option for social distance fun. As we discussed on last week's show, the PGA Merchandise Show went virtual this year, and there was no slowdown in the releases of new equipment for those players looking to upgrade. You can check out our latest features. They're going to keep coming out at thegolfspotlight.com. Subscribe there to our YouTube feed so you never miss an episode. Stay up to date on the range by following us on Instagram, at thegolfspotlight. We're also on Twitter, at golfspotlight. We always welcome your comments, no matter the platform. Now you've listened this far, so subscribe to The Range on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. That'll do it for this episode of The Range, so let's work on our swings and get that maximum performance. After all, it's as simple as... And we'll talk to you next time, right here on The Range.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.